Welcome to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada's podcast on acute lymphocytic leukemia, or ALL. This podcast is part of a series to inform people affected by a blood cancer. My name is Lane Waquet, and I am part of the Ontario Regional Team of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. Today, I'm speaking with Jeff Chow. Jeff works in real estate and is a survivor. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about your experience with blood cancer. You're very welcome, Lane. Well, we really appreciate you coming in and sharing your experience with us. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with ALL? I was diagnosed at um, 15, turning 16. Uh, so I was a teenager at the time. Um, I was ill for about, with, it was similar to like really bad flu symptoms um, for a good month to two, probably two months before uh, the doctors uh, could figure out what was going on with me. Um, my side effects beyond the, the heavy flu symptoms was that my lymph nodes were, were uh, swollen. Um, so I had some little bumps behind my ears. I had some swelling of the neck. At this point, I didn't really know or understand what was happening. I just felt ill. Um, and I went to numerous blood tests with my mother at various hospitals, but they couldn't find or locate um, the, the leukemia yet. Uh, at one point, they even said that I may have mono. and uh, just kissing disease because it wasn't until I, I met uh, a, a pediatrician uh, actually close to here um, that look, took one look at me and said, I need to get to the hospital quite quickly. And uh, it was uh, that day I'll never forget because it was with my mother and my grandmother. We walked um, and as I got to the hospital, I more or less fainted. I was just too weak and I ended up uh waking up in the hospital room and uh, i was woken up and the doctor uh then mentioned to me that i was uh basically i'm diagnosed with acute lymphocytic lymphocytic leukemia um at that point as a teenager you really don't know what the hell he's saying um so when he told me i just remember looking at my mom and and asking him you know, what what does that mean or what is he, what are you, what are you saying, you know? Um, and then he said the big C word. So it's like, you know, you've been victim or you, you're diagnosed with acute lymphocytic leukemia. And I would be like, okay, well, what's that? What are you talking about? And as a teenager, uh, you know, you're quite arrogant. Still, you're kind of a punk. Um, and he's, that's when he said, you know, it's blood cancer. Uh, it's, uh, uh, basically, the white blood cells, you know, reproduce dominate and kill all, uh, all your other blood, uh, blood cells in order for you to survive. So that's sort of kind of how it went down. And um, I mean, I don't think it, you don't, because I've, I, I was ignorant or I didn't really know what it, what it was, that may have even, like ignorance is bliss if you ever heard of the term, um, that, may have, yeah, that may have helped me. When the doctor was determining how to treat your ALL, did he explain the process to you at all? I personally don't remember any any explanation. They may 
he may have talked to my parents. Um, I just remember them taking blood every like five minutes. Uh, and uh, at that point, they rushed me, the ambulance came and picked me up and rushed me to sick kids. But uh, it, you know, they may, he may have informed my mom or dad that, you know, what was what was gonna happen next, which was I had to get the sick kids ASAP. You have to keep in mind, like, I feel now, um, just to go back, I didn't share this experience for a while. So it's now that I've, with the help of you, uh, and this organization that's helped me come to terms with with the illness. Uh, and the reason why I didn't, because again, I was a teenager and I going through the protocol um, and getting going, get finally getting to remission, my biggest concern was just to continue my life to live like a teenager. So I was just sick and I was going with the flow. I was bruising a lot. So, and the reason why I didn't find out this till after, but the reason why I was bruising very easily is because one of the cells that the, the white blood cells was killing is platelet cells. And your platelet cells are meant or help you recover or, you know, if you get hit and you easily bruise, it's because perhaps your platelet cells are low. So these are all the things I learned along the way. But when I got to sick kids, I remember waiting, there wasn't a room ready. Um, and I remember my parents saying, don't worry, Jeffrey, we're gonna get you into a room. The doctors are saying we get into your room. And again, at this point, I didn't know the severity of how sick I was. I guess it was maybe about 24 hours into my admitted into sick kids. I had one night where I almost went into cardiac arrest and I was losing blood from the surgery that they did earlier. I guess, I, you know, they didn't really explain to me why I went through this. Uh, all I remember is that actually going through it and it was a pretty interesting experience because at one point I was lose I was feeling like pins and stuff in my limbs and my mom and all my family was there and the doctors kept telling me to relax uh, if I don't relax I'm going to go into cardiac arrest and uh, I remember um, it being too bright and my mom was there and, and uh, the doctor was telling me to uh, and they were they're all like super positive in a sense of even though like if you if I think about it now is it, it was probably pretty intensive you know intensive for my family to see me as a teenager go through this um but yeah there was a point where I just possibly was going to possibly go into shock and then um they asked me to relax and they said think of something think of something so I thought of me being on a beach and it was really bright and I remember asking for sunglasses and my mom gave me her sunglasses while I was going through this whole ordeal. And I put the sunglasses on and I just sort of, it, it made me fall asleep. And then I woke up the next morning and my mom was beside me and she's like, you know, don't ever do that. Um, so I guess the point of the story was that I was pretty far into the illness and it was, I was very fortunate that, that I went, I was, it was the doctor recognized that I had ALL, it was after that that I feel like the journey of the protocol started because it wasn't until after that whole ordeal that I met my doctor, my main doctor, and my main nurse. And these two people are the people that I could ultimately not and let and let and and the team of nurses that I got to create a relationship day in day out because I was there for four years. 
you know, again, you don't really know what's what's to come, but that's when they sort of kind of started telling you that, you know, this is, they give you a book, they give my mom a book, uh, they start giving you, you know, all the literature and, and um, everything you need to know to learn about what I had, what I had, how to, what I, what to expect, what the chemo is going to do, uh, how ill it's going to make you. And, um, you know, at that point, I was probably in the hospital for about another two weeks. Uh, I also was ill to the point where I had to take dialysis. It's, it's my, so I guess in the short term, sh short time that I was there and got immediately diagnosed, my kidney failed. Um, so I had to do dialysis. Were diagnosed so quickly and then rushed right into treatment. They had to wait a bit to really plan the next steps out. Right. My mother and I were very lucky because we were we were going to different places, but we didn't we caught it just in time. And I think I had to go through a very a, a period of just going through the illness and then getting starting a protocol versus people finding out that they're ill with with a type of blood cancer and then starting a protocols. I was uh, released from the hospital and then I had to go uh, to sick kids for the first like for a first year every day. And I remember my mother. Uh, were, you, were you still going to school at this time? No, no. I, I took a whole year off school. I wasn't able yeah. to go to school. The intensity of chemo and the intensity of, I guess, how much they have to put in your body in order to, to kill the cancer. Um, it's almost inevitable that you're going to become ill and your body's yeah. going to, your body's going to shut down. I, I always say sometimes like cancer is a very, uh, tricky tricky disease because it's one of the diseases that you have to get ill to kill the illness sick kids i'm going to keep saying this sick kids is probably one of the best hospitals on the planet uh so they you know try to coach my family and and me into, into expecting the worst um but you know you can't imagine you just you just go with it it was very impressive to see the support i mean because of the, you know my nurse, I had I was given my own nurse, so that that nurse uh, was on call 24, 24 hours. Um, you know my own doctor that would come check on me, and uh, yeah, they they not only with was there for support, but they create that's they created a relationship. Like they they made you feel comfortable to know that you know if there was anything I needed or anything my mother needed at the time, that I, we we could call them and go through it. It's so important to have those supports around. So it's great to hear that the doctors and nurses were really there for you. Did you reach out to the nurse or the doctor a lot? That person becomes like a social worker. Being a teenager at the time, it was difficult to understand that, you know, how fast your life is just going to stop. And all you wanted to do is just go out there and live like a teenager. So, and, you know, your friends are out there doing their stuff. I had a girlfriend at the time when I when I got diagnosed and when it was also when I got released and I went back out and I was just hard to and I, I appreciate her so much because I, I can't imagine how hard it was for her to, to to see or go through on her end. that's the biggest thing that I feel even though I was um, the one that went through it and and, and uh, ill I feel like what I'm very, very grateful for are the people that are that were in my life at that time because I'm sure that everyone had their own experience of what went on and we're just grateful that I'm still here today and 
you know, because I, I felt bad for my mom. I felt bad for my family. I felt, you know, my girlfriend at the time because I came out. I had no emotion um, beyond the chemo and the steroids and everything that I had to take. You just, you know, and, and the doctors pretty much tell you that, you know, you're not going to be acting like yourself for a little bit. Uh, plus, you're, 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 my routine was waking up in the morning. Um, I remember that sick kids gave my mom taxi vouchers. So our, our transportation was taken care of. But every morning I would have to get picked up in a taxi, take the highway down to sick kids, and I would get hooked up. What you said about feeling the worst for the family and your friends and your girlfriend, that really makes sense to me. I know you and you're a very empathetic person and you're definitely someone who would be thinking of others even when you're going through something like this. So you said you had quite a few side effects uh, that your body wasn't working quite the way you were used to. Is there anything you did to manage those side effects? Well, the first year, the two years, you really couldn't, you had to just sort of kind of listen to your body. You're kind of not in control. You know, I'd be walking uh, down the street and immediately I would feel nauseous and want to throw up. But the nurses, the team that I, was a part of for that time, that period that I was in sick kids. They helped me or influenced me never to lose my sense of humor. I just remember trying to make the best out of it. And and because at this point it was so repetitive and everything I was doing was just like in routine that some days were gonna be, they're all bad, but some days are gonna be bad worse than others. But what, what can you do? It's just like, I felt like we might as enjoy it and I don't know, maybe it was because I just went through something that was pretty intense that I was just like, you know what, I'm just happy to be here. I somewhat could understand, but I still didn't understand. I was looking at kids that I was surrounded by every day that were sick like me, that didn't have any clue what was going on. And I think yeah. at that point kind of touched me to know that at least I could do my part to be a positive inspiration with these kids. Three or four months into it, uh, I was introduced to a social worker. She kind of recruited me or influenced me to to also help kids or help families because I had a voice and I was old enough to to sort of kind of keep people thinking positive. When I saw this this girl, she must have been eight or nine years old and she had beautiful hair. And see, as guys, knowing that you're going to lose your hair through chemo and radiation, we can shave our head. Um, and I remember doing that. My mom shaved my head and we took it, you know, oh yeah, we're going to be, you know, I'm not going to lose my hair. And, I, and and the funny thing about it, I didn't lose my hair. It's the same. It's just actually probably the same it is today. It's funny. It's, it did come back thinner, um, but I never entirely went bald for, for versus some patients. But as a guy, I mean, I felt at the time it was kind of easier to deal with. And then seeing this, this, this nine, nine-year-old girl it was traumatizing. It was like, you know, she, this beautiful hair that, and she didn't know what was going on. So that's sort of kind of how I kind of made me th think that, you know what, if I'm going to come here every day and I'm going to be here, I might as well smile, keep smiling. It's important to keep that positivity. So when you were done your treatment or towards the end of your treatment, how do you think that cancer changed your life? I know, I know that's a big question. I don't think I really 
understood the, the the true gratitude or how grateful I was. I was kind of upset, like disappointed, if anything, about how it stalled my life. If anything, mm-hmm. like everybody can continue to do their life, you know, live their life, and I had to adjust accordingly. And I, you know, so I went back to school a year after. And at one point, I was still looking a little zombie-ish based on how much medication I was on. So I had a lot of questions. And um, I mean, I m- remember the, some of the ignorance, too, is, is like, you know, is it is it contagious? Or, you know, that's the ignorance. It goes back to the ignorance. It's like, you know, is it life-threatening? People just didn't know. Uh, so it gave me an opportunity to sort of educate um, people as I continued to get through the protocol, like I said, it was four years. So by the second or third year, I mean, I was kind of thinking I should go to med school at that point because I knew so much about being, you know, I knew everything about the cells. I knew everything about, you know, I started my radiation at that point. Um, it was it was kind of informing and I know I don't take it for granted how much knowledge that I, I was exposed to or to learn from from being in that environment i always looked at it like winning the lottery in more of a positive way because it wasn't like people were like oh you know win the lottery for money well i won the lottery because it helped me appreciate life and it was such a unique thing that i had to go through that i wanted people to realize that you know life even at 20 21 years old 22 years old i was already thinking this because you know i you could walk across the street and something could happen or, you know, and people. So I started understanding that I was very, I was in a unique position and I didn't look at life the same as, as, a, as a lot of people. Like it doesn't even really sound real at, at sometimes to me when I think back to it. So that's why I had such a hard time coming to terms with it because the longer that I did not talk about it, the longer I swept it under the rug, the longer it was like, you know what, it's the past. I've, I've taught myself now as an adult that I let go of the past. I accept things for what it is. Now I, I appreciate it because it makes mm-hmm. us who we are, but I just didn't really, I don't know. I think I felt, felt like it wasn't really uh, something that I wanted to discuss anymore. What made you want to talk about it again now, uh, later in your life? There was a period of my life where I was living very unhealthy. Uh, and in the back of my head, even though I wasn't talking about it, I felt very guilty that I felt I didn't know if it was something uh, everyone, go, I guess, goes through it in life where they, they sort of kind of need to mature and grow up and, and feel like, you know what, I need to do better or something. I mean, maybe not everyone thinks this, but it was it was like an epiphany where I was like, you know, I, I'm very lucky uh, and I feel this type of living is is taking it for granted and I know I could do better. I think it was probably by 30, I decided to change my um, my path and uh, start coming terms with coming to terms with with a lot of things that I went through. I told a few people, the right people, about my story, and it was like a multi. Is it was like happened in a domino effect because it wasn't just mm-hmm. people from the LLC organization. It was also co- mentors that I have and people that are now coaches in my, in my real estate business, uh, they said, listen, you know, you should share that story. People will want to hear that story. And I, I and it kind of dawned on me where it's not about, they just 
said, it's not about you. It's about other, how maybe other people could be inspired by it. And it was the first time I really thought of it that way. The person I am uh, that I've become today is ultimately uh, it's for everybody for that matter is, you know, what you've been through in your past. You know, um, if you can embrace, embrace the, the tough moments and the challenges and the good things and the sad mm -hmm. things and happy things and stuff like that. It is the past. So don't don't sweat it. But it 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 did help frame or you know mold you into who you are today. So if you can accept it, it it it, it makes it easier to be grateful for it. I think that um, your your stories about your past, especially as a survivor, can really help people still going through treatment. People who are still sort of living what your past was to know that you um, you went through this, but you came out the other end stronger and very successful in your life and still with a really positive attitude and it's really inspirational to see mm -hmm. thanks what would you say to someone who has just been diagnosed with a blood cancer i live by by my mind that these days i didn't realize how critical it was back then and then I think that I was very, I was blessed because when I say that I never lost my sense of humor, that was, that was, that was basically the mindset that I don't know the good Lord or someone instilled in me at that young age for me to do what I did. And I remember going into the, going into getting called up, like you were getting called up at the end of class, get going into that room and getting hooked up to, to the IV every day for six, seven hours thinking, you know, and all I could remember was going on, going in with a big smile on my face and, and trying to be super excited to see all my favorite nurses and all my favorite people. So I think the main thing is hard as it's like, I know it sounds easier said than done, but I think the main thing is to internally don't lose your sense of humor, um, maintain a positive uh, mind mindset and uh, for people that are externally the people that are not affected uh, by it that like personally didn't get diagnosed as the individual I feel like the environment meaning the family and friends I think it's very important if, if not imperative that they stay positive as well because I one thing for me was I could quickly tell by being so positive and maintaining this positivity every day going through the treatment i could quickly tell who was the people the people that i didn't want in my environment because they didn't know how to to accept it themselves and they're entitled to that that's the thing it's not everybody's going to accept it try to take it day by day it's different because you know like i got diagnosed smack dab as a teenager and i can't imagine what it was it's like for kids that don't understand and then i can't imagine what it's like for adults that you know, go through it and, and have the responsibility of raising families and having kids, stuff like that. So, I mean, ultimately, even though I spoke, <laughs> had tons of words to say about it, I think if I could just simplify it and say, just, you know, don't lose your sense of humor, humor, and that's like a metaphor to just try to stay positive and, and you know, keep a positive mindset. I think it's important that the people that are going to choose to enter in this person's life while they're going through it has to look at the positives over the negatives even though there might be more negatives and positive you have to bring a positive outlet you have to bring a positive environment and maintain it because you know it's not 
you don't know what's to come. You can just sort of kind of take it day by day, hour by hour and um, get through it. I remember getting diagnosed with kids at my age. I remember a lovely girl. She was diagnosed with Hodgkin's at the exact same time I was diagnosed. Her mother bonded with my mother because they were very close. She was two rooms down from me. Every time I went for my chemo, she was there. Every time I went to Sunnybrook for, for radiation, she was following behind me. And then as the protocol became further, so as you get further into your protocol, you go to the hospital less. So the last year I was going like once every two months versus, versus every day in the beginning. And I remember it got to the period where I was going for chemo maybe once every six months. And that's when you slowly become, so they're weeding you off, you start your remission. And I remember going in all, you know, hot shot, chow, going in thinking, you know, everything's good, living my life like a teenager again. And I asked about her. And I remember one of my nurses telling me that she, I'll never forget it. She said to me, she's like, you didn't hear she, she had a relapse and passed. Mm-hmm. And I remember crushing me to the point where it was like, you know what, all this, all this air, all this attitude, all this, you know, and that's why I'll, I'll always think that it doesn't matter. Like we can talk about what you need to do daily but in the big picture you have to be grateful that i think we're, we're here we're here right so that's the main thing with me it's like you, you just get gratitude i i wake up in the morning and i do my gratitude prayers um something i've instilled in me probably for the last five or six years um and that helps me with life period wow you're a big thinker so we um We would just like to thank you so much for coming in and for sharing your story. Is there anything else you would want to talk about that we haven't covered here so far? It is an emotional experience. So you have to relive it. And, you know, once I put myself into that memory, it can go everywhere. So it's like, you know, and I don't want to be too, but I want, I want to inform people that like, listen, there is a, there is a reason, you know, like I said, you're winning the lottery, but in just a different perspective. I look at that I would I look at it that I was chosen to go through something that was very unique in order to to realize what I had, who I am today. And I think if you can look at it that way and just try to spread that love, spread that in that positive insight that, you know, it might not be ALL, might not be could be other types of illness or other type of things that we go through on a daily basis, I feel like if you could just have have clarity, accept it, and then embrace it as a challenge, it, it will make you stronger and sure to kind of live, live, live that way. This is how I, I take this. So to really get into it, talk about it, I appreciate it. It helps me. I think anybody that needs to talk about it should eventually, if they when they're ready, talk about it. It does help. Um, and yeah, I have no, I very appreciate it that I was able to share my story today. We truly appreciate you coming in here and um, sharing your story and being so open with us about it. I think that it will really help other people share their stories when when people see everyone coming in and um, sharing what they've been through. It make it creates sort of a more open environment where they know they can be be authentic to themselves and what they've been through. So on that note, if anyone listening has any questions about ALL or need support to navigate their experience, contact the LLSC at 1-833-222-4888.
1-800-684-5884. This podcast was made possible thanks to the support of Novartis. Thank you for listening to the Blood Cancer Experience podcast series by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. You can find us wherever you access your favorite podcasts, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. If you have an idea for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with your comments or suggestions to canadainfo at lls.org. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada is dedicated to funding cutting-edge research and supporting people affected by blood cancers. To learn more and access resources including fact sheets, booklets, and webcasts, visit llscanada.org.